Hi, I'm Cassie Petrie, the co-founder of a digital marketing and artist management company called CrowdServe. Today, I am hanging out with the real Jason Duncan on his podcast, The Root of All Success. And we had an absolutely awesome conversation today. We talked a lot about the Backstreet Boys, which I always love, but we talked about some of the things that I view that define my success and realizing how important freedom is to me, which I didn't realize until recently, but I think that's one of the reasons I've been doing this and I didn't realize it, but we had a great conversation and I think there's a lot that everyone can learn about it. So tune in and watch it. Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another episode of The Root of All Success. It's Jason Duncan. Not just Jason Duncan, the real Jason Duncan, or you can call me JD. And I'm here today with Cassie Petrie. And uh, she lived here in my neck of the woods in the Nashville area for eight years, went to college here at Middle Tennessee State University. And she's got a wonderful story about how she was a part of bringing back the Backstreet Boys, working with people like them, working with people like uh, Britney Spears and Camilla, Cabe Camilla Cabello. I know I'm saying that wrong, and my 21-year-old daughter would be so embarrassed that I don't know who that is or how to say that person's name, but Cassie certainly knows who she is. She is the co-founder and CEO of CrowdSurf, which is a leading marketing and music management firm founded in 07 alongside her best friend, Jade Driver, when uh, Cassie was just 21 years old. She's an original fangirl whose tween admiration for the Backstreet Boys helped her develop a newsletter that reached fans worldwide when she was only 12 years old. And uh, it helped. And she later helped seal the band's resurgence to this new decade, uh, this new, um, not decade, but generation of fans. So she's got a pretty interesting story hailing now from L.A. It's good to be connected virtually with Cassie today on the show. So Cassie. Welcome to the root of all success. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, um, so at 12, you're really big into the Backstreet Boys and uh, you start a newsletter for them. Was it part of their like their fan club? How, tell me about how that worked. So, you know, social media wasn't developed as it is now. So, uh, you know, this was kind of in the era of where everyone was getting those CDs that sent to their house and installing the internet on their computers for the first time. BGM, BGM, wasn't it? Yeah, I, mean, I mine, remember that. Yeah, but mine was AOL and then there was a lot of Netscape and it was it varied dependent upon like where you were in the United States and I'm, uh, you know, in the world, I'm sure. Oh, that's right. That's what you're talking about. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, this. so so I remember I got, I was one of the first houses to get AOL in my house and around the same time, I had just become a big fan of the Backstreet Boys and I wanted to connect with other fans on AOL and build a community. And I saw that there was this community that already 
existed around different artists where people built these kind of like newsletters is what I would call them. Like, like you sent them through email. So it was a newsletter, but everyone called them zines. And I would say it was sort of the equivalent of how people like will run an Instagram page for Justin Bieber now or that, that sort of thing as a fan. So I did that Times version of that with the Baxter Boys. So it wasn't official. It was just impactful because it had a lot of people and I was a part of this community where a lot of different fans ran email lists that had audience for a lot of people. But that's, I would say that it's interesting. Those things that I learned in that time frame, I still use a lot of those strategies and tactics uh, today in my, my real job. So I learned a lot from it. So, so at 12, you start doing this newsletter for the Backstreet Boys. And, but then eventually, um, you, you, as I understand it, you got to work with them and meet them. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I still work with them today. They're one of my company's uh, longstanding clients. We've worked with them for over a decade now, I would say, coming into that, which is really awesome to to think about. But one of the big projects we've gotten to work on with them is sort of the announcing of the Las Vegas residency and marketing that. And I think that was a big moment for them to kind of, you know, sort of come back into, into pop culture. We also worked on their latest record uh, DNA, which they just finished the tour for that. The tour went a little long because of COVID. So I feel like it would have probably been a two or three year thing and ended up being a five-year thing because COVID extended it, but, you know, got to work on that record, got to work on their Christmas record that they put out a couple years ago. And just very grateful to be a part of that whole experience and kind of keeping their legacy alive and introducing their new music to people in the the digital space has been more than I could have ever asked for as a 12 year old. All right. So at 12 years old, you're, you're enamored with, with the Backstreet Boys, their music. And of course they're all good looking dudes. And you're like, Oh my gosh, these are all these kids. These are, these guys are awesome. Right. So, so then fast forward, you end up meeting them. So what was that moment like when you, had that you're really meeting them professionally, not just as a fan, but you're professionally meeting them. What was that like? Um, it, it's it's weird because I feel like you know I didn't meet them. You, I didn't meet them in like a conference room. See, there isn't there isn't sort of like that <laughs> moment where you you know get to like get introduced and you know shake their hands. A lot of time when you work in social media, you meet people on site at a concert or a music video shoot, and sometimes you're actually chasing them around with like a camera and getting content before you even have a proper introduction to them. And I don't remember the, I think the exact first time I met them because it was probably in situations like that. And I probably got introduced one-on-one and I probably got reintroduced multiple times because the team members weren't sure if we had been officially introduced to them or not, but they kind of, I think knew who we were and what our, our role was. Now, of course I've worked with them for a long time. So they all know who, I am and know who my team members are, but I don't actually remember a first professional introduction moment. Cause I, it was, you know, it's kind of chaotic cause you're like working in real time on the ground and you don't want them to be talking to you. Want them to be talking to your phone or your camera, because that's what you're there for. You're there to get content of them to put on the internet. <laughs> so who's your favorite Backstreet Boy? It's well, I'm not going to answer that now. I mean, when I was when I was like really little, like I, my first favorite Backstreet Boy was Brian because I was from Kentucky. He was from Kentucky. He was the younger one. I thought he was cute. 
Um, and, you know, now they're, I would say now that they've all, you know, I know them all as, as humans and I think they're all really incredible, awesome people. And I, I would say I have different things about them that make them my favorite for different reasons. You know, I probably have one that's, you know, I love because he's always going to do the liners that I want. And then there's one that's always going to, you know, he may not participate as much, but when he does participate, it's really funny. So there's, there's different like sort of quirks and traits that you sort of learn to love and enjoy, but as a group collectively, they're all really incredible. And I think I was always scared of the saying, don't meet your heroes, but if anything, working with them, I think has made me feel even better about the choices I made as a kid and choosing them to be my favorite boy band versus some other boy bands. <laughs> so if you can't name your favorite Backstreet Boy, what is your favorite Backstreet Boy song? That's hard for me too. I would say my, probably my favorite Backstreet Boy song is a song called Siberia. Um, it's, I would say that within the fan community, that's a pretty big favorite. It's a great song. It was off their, uh, 2005 Never Gone record. It's a song written by Max Martin. It's a sad song, but with really powerful vocals. They all deliver amazing vocal performance on it. The course with all of them together is incredible. And it's just a really emotional song. And I, I always, you know, I love the Baxter Boys Fast songs, but I think <clears throat> something that's always sat with me is their, I love the ballads. I love when they sing those really big, powerful vocals together. I love when the songs have those ad lib moments. I miss that in, in pop music right now, but those are, I love their ballads. I love the slow songs. I love, especially on stage. It's really fun to watch. Well, I have never seen the Backstreet Boys in concert, but I've seen plenty of videos and seen stuff. I, I can only imagine that that would be a lot of fun because it's just for, for me, I, knowing who they are and the songs, I want it that way. Of course, being there, probably the most famous song. It just looks like a lot of fun. Like these guys are having fun. And of course, you being on the promotion side and helping them with their social media and their marketing, you're getting to help accentuate that fun side, the real side, the personal side of these guys who are, who are real people that put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. They just happen to be very famous and uh, everybody knows who they are and they've got songs out there. Um, how did how did the transition from being the fan into being a business person how did that transition work for you? Was it, was it a good transition? Was it fun? Did, did, did you have regrets? Like, man, I still wish I was a fan because I've seen too how the sausage is made and it's not as exciting anymore. What, what do you think? What was that transition like? I think I was meant to be in the music business. And there's a story I tell to people who I think are kind of struggling with if they want to make that transition to from fan to business person or not. And my story where I sort of, knew that moment was actually involves the first time and actually the only time I've met Tom from MySpace, Tom Anderson, the original like social media CEO and celebrity. And it was, it was probably, I was 19 years old. I was in my first uh, year of working at Warner and I flew to LA to do some business meetings, but I also of course strategically planned my trip around this concert with this to see this group called the click five that I absolutely adored. And I'd made them really popular in MySpace. I was, you know, helping them run their page. I got them to number one on the MySpace charts often on a daily basis. So 
I was familiar with the team at MySpace and I got to go into MySpace and meet my like artist representative team. And at the end of that meeting, they asked me, do you want to meet Tom? And I was like, yeah, of course I want to meet Tom. I tried to like keep it cool, but I was like, yeah, that's really exciting. He's like, he's Tom. Like that's, that's incredible. That's like getting to meet like Mark Zuckerberg now. I thought that was awesome. So they take me in to meet Tom, told him, you know, that I, I run the Click Fives MySpace page and I'm in town to see their concert because I'm also a really big fan. And he said, oh, I, can I go? And I said, yeah, of course, I'll get you tickets. And I called Atlantic Records and I said, hey, Tom, met Tom from MySpace today. He wants to come see the Click Five. And they're like, sorry, the show's really sold out. We can't get him tickets. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't tell Tom from MySpace that I can't get him tickets. That feels crazy. And also, that's like such a huge loss for the Click Five to have that executive not be able to come see that show. So I decided at that moment that I was going to put my tickets under his name. So I went to the box offices at the Roxy, some small venue, very small sold out show. And I put my tickets under his name and was like, if I don't figure out how to get tickets, that's okay. It's more important that Tom sees the show rather than me. And fortunately I was okay. I bought tickets from a scalper for an ungodly price <laughs> for our, especially for like a show at the Roxy. But um, I, I was going to make it work. I was going to get Tom on the guest list no matter what it took. And I think at that moment I was like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a business person. Cause I think most fans at that moment were like, there's no way I can't go to the show. And I was really sad about it and sad at the possibility of missing that concert. Cause I, I, I came to LA for the first time to see that concert, but I knew that, you know, business was very important to me in, in that moment. And I think that if you're a fan and you're not willing to have done a similar thing that I did in that moment, that the music business probably is not for you. Yeah, well, I think part of the, our, everybody's story of success, the listeners, yours, every guest I've had on the show, includes making sacrifices. And so for you, it was a sacrifice of making Hey, if I don't get to see the show, that's all right. At least this other dude does because that will lead to something else. And I think we make these, we take those calculated sacrifices to make sure that we're going to get what we need in the end. Well, so now Cassie, you, we've talked about the Backstreet Boys and about how you went from fan to business person. And you're actually the one on the other side of the camera helping them promote. I mean, you're probably not holding the cameras now. You got a team that does it, but you started out holding that camera and interviewing them, getting their, their social media stuff going but you've trans made that transition. Tell us some of the other artists that you're working with and what it's like to work with them. Maybe there's some special stories about these other artists that you're working with that, uh, that we would like to get a little sneak peek into the back end of that. So I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of amazing artists. One of my favorite projects I've ever worked on, I think simply because I was literally there from start to finish was um, girl group pop sensation, fifth harmony. And I actually was the digital producer for the season of X Factor that they were formed and built on. So I literally was with them. I I met them before they were put in the group and taught them as individuals how to use Twitter. That was a really important platform at the time. Helped set up their social media pages live and in person and like literally switch they switched their name twice on the show and I would have to switch the handle 
60 seconds before Simon Cal would announce their name and it was really stressful. Um, but I literally was there from beginning to when, until they went on hiatus. And that was a really great experience for me because I love, I love working on all types of projects, but there's something really special about watching something from the beginning to become a sensation and have a fandom to, to getting a number one song, like watching that from literally its birth to it, the peak of his success is just something that's really special to me. And I just want to be a part of as many projects as possible from start to peak. It's an incredible experience. Do you only work with uh, people in the music business now, or do you also work with business owners, entrepreneurs, et cetera? So let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, uh, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to The Root of All Success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. What Dub does, I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that they're our uh, primary sponsor of the podcast, but they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built, Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, uh, anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't, you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. Mostly people in the entertainment business, mostly music artists, just because my staff really enjoys that. And I think that's people hear about my company because they want to work in music and they come to work at CrowdSurf because they, they want to work in, in music. And so we're kind of known for that. So when I give people projects that aren't that, I think that sometimes they're not as passionate about it. And I don't think that's fair to the client. But sometimes yeah. there's, you know, sometimes there are team members who do like other projects. Like, for example, we actually just picked up um, a Connecticut, like, minor league uh, soccer team. And the only reason I took that is because I knew I had team members that would be excited about that. And they would kind of feel like they're living their Ted Lasso dreams. But I wanted to, <laughs> and I, because and, and the, the, the team's cool. They really, they want they wanted an agency that wasn't sports first or wasn't, didn't have a lot of sports experience because they wanted a different perspective. So I think them wanting that 
plus having team members who were interested in giving this a go, I think made it a good fit, but it really comes down to, is there going to be a team member that's going to own this and be excited about it? And if they're not, it's really hard to take on something outside of music, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I think it's smart though, for them to recognize that they needed an outsider to give better perspective, because sometimes I think it's probably the same in the entertainment business as it is in business business is that we get inside our little box and we see everything through the same lenses all the time. And we hire people who also look through the same lenses and we forget that there's a completely different perspective. So I think it was smart of that soccer team to hire you just to get that outside perspective. Yeah. Let me, um, well, go ahead. If you want to respond to that, I'll let you. Yeah. So I think in general, there's a lot of clients we have that have like a great in-house digital person or digital team. And I think a lot of them want us in addition to them because they do appreciate and value that perspective. And they like the fact that we work with a lot of different artists and are probably going to come across tools and trends that are working before they do, because they're only working on one artist. So I think that's really always a really smart thing to do, especially if you aren't working across a ton of different accounts in the same space. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, I want to shift the focus of our conversation just a little bit because the name of the show is the root of all success and listeners are interested in how people became successful, which is why I interview people like you that have been successful in your particular niche in your industry. What, what would you say if you had to narrow down the success you've experienced over these years in the, in, in your industry, if you had to narrow that down to one key that unlocks success for you, what would you say that it was? I think the key to a lot of the success that I have is just continuing to show up every day. You know, I've never had, you know, I have had big moments in my career, but those happen for like one day or a couple hours and they're gone. I think continuing to wake up every day and having your little goals and your big goals and just being excited about it and, not losing sight of those is what's really important. And it's, it's really easy for me because I like what I do, but I, I show up every day yeah. and want to help artists because they, they helped me so much. And I, I just couldn't imagine doing anything else, but I wake up every morning and I think about how I can further my artist careers and how I can further my staff's careers and how I can further my own career. Yeah. Okay. So how do you define success? What what would Cassie Petrie say that that word means to her? It's changed a lot over the years. I think when I was younger, success for me meant I want to be a big artist manager that everyone knows, like Scooter Braun or Larry Rudolph or Johnny Wright. And I do think that is still always going to be a part of a goal that I have to manage of a pop artist from sort of beginning to peak, you know, I've done that in the digital space. I want to do it as a, as a manager as well. Um, But for me, success now is having, having freedom and enough money to be able to do the things that I want. And I think I've gotten to that point. I can go work from Hawaii for a week. I literally got back last night. I can go work from Hawaii for a week comfortably whenever I want to and still come back and still have the job that I like. I can 
buy something nice for my nieces and nephews if they need it or their stroller breaks um, and not have to worry about that. I could move to a different city if I wanted to and not lose my job. But I think freedom has become something really important to me that I didn't understand when I was younger. And I've kind of come face to face with realizing how important that is to me when you start getting approached by companies who may want to buy you out or buy part of you out. And when you are with those, you know, come to those moments, you really realize if freedom is important to you or not. And the idea of like working under somebody else who has a lot of say and control over my company and how much I charge and how much I pay my staff sounds like, prison to me so I but I didn't realize how important that freedom was until I started getting offered deals like that and I was like oh wow I this means more to me than I thought it did so by that definition of having freedom and enough money to do what you want do you consider yourself to be a successful person I think yeah I I I do think that I've hit a point in my life where I have both of those things could I make more money and have better margins with my company, of course. But at the end of the day, that money's really just going to, because if you think about it, if you're trying to get better margins, that means you're either have to take more from your client or more from your staff or give less to them and give more back to you. And if I'm making enough money to travel to the places I want to and to live in the place that I want to, uh, you know, I'm okay. I will I always, you know, I do want to be a, a good business person and try to, you know, always set goals to operate better financially, but I'm not, you know, I'm not beating myself up over it. So I, I would say, yeah, I, I, I've kind of hit that, that point and I feel really happy about that. And I feel like I'm in a good place to be able to provide great services for artists and still have more things to look forward to in my career as well. I love it. Well, I don't think we have a lot of 12 year old uh, fan fangirls listen to this show because they <laughs> that's not who my audience is. But I want you to talk to the, the, the person who's listening to this show that is an, an aspiring entrepreneur in whatever their industry might want, might be. And your years of experience of success in your industry, if you have, if you had to give a piece of advice to an entrepreneur who's aspiring to do something great and successful like you, what would you what would you say they need to do more than anything? Now, you already said show up every day was your key. So you don't get to say that one again. But what is a piece of advice that you would give to them? I would say remember that the teams and vendors and people around you are not you and they're never going to be as passionate about your business as you are. And that's okay. I mentally struggled with that a lot because I, you know, I was putting everything on the line, like both time and financially, especially at the beginning of this. And I would get upset with people because they didn't, I didn't expect them to have the same passion, but they didn't come anywhere close to that. And I've just over time come to expect that there's no reason why they should come anywhere close to that. And to just like be okay and mentally be, at peace with that because I, I really struggled with that for a long time and I still have my moments with it, but I'm trying to be disciplined about it and understand that everyone is not me and everyone doesn't operate or be motivated by the same things that 
I am, that's okay. It doesn't mean they can't work or live or be successful in my ecosystem. I just have to understand that they're, they're not me. Well, I think that's good. That's <clears throat> good perspective. I, I, when we as entrepreneurs start businesses, we have to understand that we hire people who are better at the areas where we're deficient. We can't expect to clone people. And I think that was one of my mistakes for a long time is that building one of my big businesses that, uh, you know, I was trying to look for clones of me and really I needed, I needed that, not a clone, but a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I needed someone to compliment. I need somebody to compliment me and not to, to offset the deficiencies that I had. And I think that's really good advice. Um, so I, this is a surprise question. I didn't, I told you at the beginning what I was going to ask you and I asked you those questions, but this is a surprise one. And I do this on purpose. I don't want to catch you off guard, but what, what's your biggest failure as an entrepreneur? Would you, would you mind giving us a little glimpse into that? Biggest failure. Ooh. I mean, I feel like I've had a, a lot of them, so it's hard to define the biggest one. But I would say, I don't, that's such a tough question. Biggest failure. Yeah, it is. It's not fair either, but that's why I ask it at the end. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I made a, a lot of mistakes. I don't know if this is a failure, but something that really was challenging for me in the beginning and I think could be good for entrepreneurs starting out is understanding that when you're building out your cash flow and like having enough money to run your business and pay yourself and pay your team is that running a business, especially like in mine, like agency people pay, you know, monthly retainer and you know pay you out. It doesn't operate the same as getting a paycheck and a job. People pay a lot of times on a 30 day turnaround, sometimes that 30 day becomes 90 days. Sometimes they don't pay you, even though they seemed like they were going to, and they signed a contract saying they would. And yeah. I think that me and my business partner got ourselves into a lot of trouble in the beginning because we expected people to pay us on time. And there are times where we've like overhired or felt really stressed out because we didn't, we'd done the work, but we hadn't got the cash for doing the work. And there's some situations where we never got the cash, unfortunately. And I think that we failed ourselves by not anticipating that. So I like to share that information with people so that they can plan to just know that people don't pay quickly or sometimes at all. Sometimes you have to like beg people to pay you. Sometimes you have to embarrass people to pay you. You have, you have to go through great links to get paid for a project and a lot of times it has nothing to do with the performance it has to do with them holding on to their money sometimes they misbudgeted and don't have it um but just know that it's not like a job where you get a paycheck every week or every two weeks and prepare for that prepare for the yes. worst in that regard yeah that's good that's uh that's good and the reason i asked that question is because our i think our failures lead us to success as entrepreneurs that when we fail it's in those failures that we learn how to do something better or different next time and it makes us better i think i think when you know you could probably make the parallel into the music business and the entertainment business you know when people release a song or they release a tv show or a movie that flops will you study well why did it flop why did it work and it's there that you learn, okay, well, next time we do this instead of that, we get better. So as entrepreneurs, I think your advice there, your your reflection on that failure is really important is that we have to plan for the cash flow. And, and it's probably not until we suffer 
uh, from cash uh, constraints that we really realize how to how to manage it moving forward. Well, Cassie, it's uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show all the way from L.A. back here to streaming back into Nashville and your old stomping grounds. Um, but uh, thank you for being on the show. I'm going to give you the last word before I do my sign off and the outro. Any last or final comments or words you want to say before we sign off today? If you're an entrepreneur and you're not on LinkedIn, make sure you are. I'm coming across so many opportunities every day on LinkedIn, and you definitely need to be in the mix if you're not active on there right now. All right. Good advice. Well, speaking of LinkedIn, I want you to go check out Cassie Petrie on LinkedIn, and her name is spelled C-A-S-S-I-E. And Petrie is P-E-T-R-E-Y. So look her up on all social media platforms. You got her on Instagram, on X, formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok. You can look up Cassie Petrie, any of those places. And if you're in the entertainment business, you need to reach out to Cassie and her team at CrowdSurf. You can find them at CrowdSurf.net. We're very, very happy that Cassie was on the show today. And I want to remind everybody as a listener is that the reason I bring people on the show like Cassie is to give us a glimpse into how individual stories in different industries as an entrepreneur kind of all are the same. Everything has got its own nuance. Everything's got its own little detail, but ultimately it all boils down to the same stuff. Just like what she talking about, you know, show up every day. That was her key. And many people say, well, yeah, just show up, take action. She said that her definition of success is having freedom and having enough money to do what she wants, when she wants, where she wants. Lots of people say that. So it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter what business you decide to start. The principles of being successful and the root of all success goes back to the same things. And that's what this show is dedicated to. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this show. It's hard to believe that we've got 209 or so episodes into this thing. It's it's a great ride. Thank you for listening, for subscribing. Remember, this is also on YouTube. If you haven't watched this, you can see me have the interview with the guests at youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan. And you can follow me on all social media platforms at the real Jason Duncan. Make sure you tune in again next time when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. As always, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.